There's a lot going on here that I'm not too familiar with. Also, I'm in a rotten mood tonight. Oh, that's good. It's always good for podcasts when you're in a rotten mood. I don't mood. know. I'm just in a rotten mood. <laughs> So hey everybody, welcome to episode 88 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra and I am sitting in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my co-host in Whitby, Ontario, Aaron Bay. Hello. And we have Jaime Lopez down in Seattle, Washington. How'd I do? How's it going? Okay, good. And we also have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hi there. Can you imagine like all this time Jaime has been like grimacing? (laughs) Every time we said his name, he's like, oh, screw those guys. No, no, but that's, that's he's so polite. He's so nice that he just let it slide every time. Mm-hmm. Really sorry, okay. Jaime. Yeah. Jaime. Yeah. Jaime. 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 No worries. Jaime. <laughs> so if you didn't miss, if you, if you haven't caught last week's show, right at the 50 minute mark, and I don't know how it worked out that way, but Jaime actually says his name. So Jaime. We, I'm All right. enough. <laughs> sorry, but it's just feels weird. I, I, I want to say something after that M. I want to. I want to like get a, give a full belt out to that E after the M. I want to belt well, it you, out. Why don't you throw a good old Canadian A in there afterwards? Right. So yeah, make me feel better. That's what I want. That's what that maybe that's what it is. It needs punctuation. It feels like it does. I want. You know what? I want an accent on that E after the M. <laughs> a little acute accent. You know. Or maybe an umlaut or something like that. No, no, definitely an acute accent. And, uh, you know, be like French. Jaime. Mm. <laughs> it mm. sounds very classy now, doesn't it? Well, it's like Rogers, right? We say Roger, right? You Instead do. Roger. No, I do, yeah. I say, I'm never giving you money again if I can help it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so. So we have some follow-up. Yo! We do have some follow-up. So the last time I was talking about the um, the way that Android has annotations, you, or specifically uses Java annotations, and you can say, hey, these are unit tests, these are functional tests, these are integration tests, you know, you can make up arbitrary things with some caveats. And uh, I, I think Mark had asked, you know, is that specific to Android Studio, or is it specific to Eclipse? And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I really don't know. So I talked to an Android developer. Uh-huh. And they clarified for me that it depends on uh, the instrumentation runner that you are using um, that Google provides. So it is not tied to the IDE. It is tied to are you using uh, – there's an older test runner that only had very specific tags or annotations it was listening for. Uh-huh. But the newer one from Google lets you do uh, seemingly arbitrary ones. Uh-huh. You can have a happy fun time tests, you know, annotation if you wanted to. Okay. Well, Thanks. I just – yeah, so all of our developers use uh, Android Studio, which is also part of Mark's question, right? I believe, right, Mark? Yeah, I was wondering how spread out Pervasive? the usage is. Yeah, yeah, there was a time when obviously everyone was using um, Eclipse, and yeah, and yeah. I'm just wondering what the what the percentages are these days. No, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of Android developers that I know, as well as the ones that work, are we use Gradle. In fact, in in our part of our workflow, right? And a lot of them, a lot of them use Gradle. And, and there's another one. Oh, I forgot the name of it now. It begins with an M. Help me out here, huh? Maven. Maven. Yeah, mm-hmm. Gradle and Maven are sort of the two sort of build like they're dependency managers. I believe is that the correct term for them? Yes. Yeah. So they're they're similar to Cocoa Pods and and that kind of stuff. Um, in the Android world. But yeah, a lot of it, well, I think I would say a large percentage of Android developers, at least the ones I know, are using Android Studio. 
I like it. It's much better than trying to do things in Eclipse. Well, so yeah, it's still you're still working with Java though. We want to talk about the Apple Car debacle. Oh, that is that oh, is good. That's uh, follow up. Good fu. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's good fu because of course we're right, right? That's why it's good <laughs> yeah. fu. Yeah. Man, what a okay, what a so. turd that was. That flaming turd. Holy cow. Am I right? Yeah, this is the, yeah. the uh, follow-up to the Motor Trend. Yeah, um, right. exclusive Yeah, on yeah. the Apple car, which, uh, you know, unsurprisingly turned out to be nothing but a wet dream invented by the editors and so-called gathered experts that uh, mm-hmm. put together this, this feature article that they teased the night of our recording last week mm-hmm. and uh, ended up being nothing, nothing at all. It's, right. it's a bunch of guys, they sat around the table and said, what do you think this Apple car is going to look like? And they, they drew a bubble and they said, ship it. And so <laughs> that's what happened. And right. uh, it was a pretty, pretty ridiculous waste of time. So, right, right. Uh, too bad. And this, and this, of course, explains everything, right? Like, why we didn't hear about it, because it didn't have any truth to it at all. Mm-hmm. So, it it kind of landed in the echo chamber and went thud and disappeared, and we never heard about it until mm-hmm. the news breathlessly reported on it and told Carol, who told you, who told us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know that I'd say the news... Well, it was on, on CBC. It was on apparently. CNBC, right? Which is not right. necessarily well, well, Carol for, for news. And and the one guy did call it. He sort of said he he sort of said it was in his. He thought maybe it was a, a stunt of some type because he said, "How often do we talk about Motor Trend?" And and that turned out to be the case. So there's that's the first thing. There's two other things to follow up on that though. Did you see there was uh, an article sometime this week about Apple hiring somebody away from Tesla? Yeah. Did you I see that? It. Yeah. So, any comment on that? None. No. I mean, it's not. It's a non-story. Okay. Well, I don't say it's a non-story, but obviously, it's it's an open secret, right? Like, there's not. Yeah. There's no surprise here. Apple's building a car. Everybody knows that. That's yeah. that's not in dispute right. here. And, and um, people change jobs all the time. And that's that's the other thing. People change jobs, right? Yep. And yep. you know, we've had Elon Musk say that. Um, what what do they say that uh, a graveyard? Something about a graveyard. What was that phrase mm-hmm. that he used? Basically, they hired everyone away from Apple that was worth hiring, and so everybody left there is is the dregs essentially of mm. of the automotive industry, which mm. you know he's just just throwing trash right but uh and that's fine, so this is just another example of an automotive person going back and forth in between these two companies, and you can imagine a lot of traffic right. Okay. So, and, well, the, and yeah. the last piece of follow-up on this story is, or related, to, is the image that I created for last week's episode. Episode. Did you see that? Uh, yes, but I don't remember it. So it's the purple car. Yeah. Which I drew up in Bez. Fantastic. So tell us about Bez. Well, I played around with Bez as follow-up to your pick, as I sort of said I would. Um, actually, to be honest with you, I did the original sketch in in um, in. Uh, probably something like Adobe Illustrator or Adobe Draw or um, something like that. And then I brought it into into Bez and I started doing some vector lines over top to play around with the tools a bit. It was, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with it, but uh, it does look pretty cool. It, it seems to work, uh, as far as Bezier tools go, much nicer than the uh, draw, um, Autodesk Draw uh, product that I was playing with before. So I may spend some more time in it. It looks pretty cool. You know, it's one of the missing pieces from... Um, working on the iPad Pro is having a, a, a professional level drawing tool, so that looks pretty cool. 
Um, and I don't know why I chose purple, but I'm going to call it magpie purple. There you go. Wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> Great. Good stuff. So it is, it is a pretty cool little app, Bez. That, so thank you for introducing that to us and the crowd at, of listeners. Hey, want to talk about DubDub? So here's a little... I, I talked to Jaime about it, and I think I talked to Mark about it this week, but it's a very odd thing about Apple, right? I happen to have a developer account with a certain celebrity here in Canada, and I always get... Yeah, I always get... To that account, I always get the Apple email like almost immediately, right? And yet, at this moment, as we record, we're Wednesday night at 9.15 p.m., I still have not received the Apple, the WWC announcement to at least three of my other accounts. I have not received it either. Well, you, yeah, you're spelled with a V, right? I guess. <laughs> but Mark got it. I received it to two different accounts. Madness. Already, yep. yeah. Within five minutes of each other, pretty much. Hmm. Hmm. Likewise for me. I, I got it like two, maybe three times. I have to double check my email. But right around the same time that everybody was tweeting about it and just about instantaneously around the same time of each other, I think. I don't think there was any delay that yeah. I recall. Yeah. Yeah, that was Monday so night maybe, the announcement. I don't know. Came. Maybe Canadians aren't allowed this year. I was just going to say, I was, <laughs> I was with um, my friend uh, Stefan at our Monday night uh, Cocoa Nuts group. When the announcement came out, and he received the email and showed it to me, uh, and I said, "I don't have mine yet, and it never has arrived." So you guys have a Whitby coconuts? That's right. We call it coconuts. Uh, I've told you about this before, but yeah, I thought you were the it. only one sitting in the coffee yeah, shop. Yeah, well, the time. I've I've acquired a new member. Um, Ooh, yeah, Stefan Arens. He's the uh, lead engineer at Mozilla um, for Firefox for iOS, and I interviewed with him. This is a funny story. So <laughs> I was uh, applying for a job to work at Mozilla uh, yeah. a few months ago. And so uh, Stefan and I interviewed, and uh, it came out that he also lives in Whitby. Hmm. So I said, you should come out to this Monday night thing that I have going on. And he has been, and we've been uh, nerding it up every Monday night ever since. Cool. So what are we talking about? We're talking about for those of you living under a rock. Yes. So, or, or haven't received the email, apparently. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we found out through other means. You know, uh, there has never been an email I've received from Apple that brought genuine news. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that just me? <laughs> because by the time Apple's email arrives, I've heard about it through some other channel. Sure, yeah. And they're like, yeah. hey, do you know we've got new MacBooks out? And I'm like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, did you know that WWDC's coming up? Totally and it's did. June 13th, as we. As everyone expected, so no surprises yeah. there. There's uh, a couple of differences, though. Um, yeah. One being that the kickoff day, what they are now calling a kickoff day, the Monday, the first day of the conference, will be held at the Bill Graham Auditorium in San Francisco, not at Moscone West, where the rest of the venue is going to be for Tuesday through Friday. So the um, Moscone will be the location of all the talks. But the main kickoff, I presume the keynote and the... Um, State of the Nation. Thank you. State of the Union. State of the Union. Yeah. That was what I was groping for. Uh, mm. Will be at uh, Bill Graham on Monday. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know the uh, geography of San Francisco too well, but I, I'm hearing that these two venues are something of a hike. Yeah. A few blocks apart. Yeah. Okay. I mind guess you, mind you, can jump, you can jump on the, the street cart and go down, down uh, Market Avenue. It's not that far, really. All right. Well, be the desert. But, but so it's, it's a good 20-minute walk. You can take the walk. cable cars that way, but you can take a uh, 
you could take the Muni uh, or you can take Muni, you can take Bart, sort yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like you have to go between these two venues on the same day, right? Like you're going to Bill Graham on Monday and then Tuesday you're going to Muscle. Well the bash is gonna be Bill Graham too. Oh my god, everywhere, all over, always going back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, it does yeah. sound like a nightmare. Uh, hey, but you're paying big bucks, and I think that's the big part here. So, Mark, do you know how big the Bill Graham Auditorium is? I've been there. Yeah, it's 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 pretty big. It's 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 basically a giant concert hall type place. Okay. So, I don't know the exact number of seats, but you know, it's probably I don't know several thousand seats. Hmm. Well, it's got to be more than five, right? I'm I'm being told seven. Could be seven. Seven thousand. That is what Google says to me. Seven seems a bit big for it, but it's possible, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, you know, it makes sense, right? They they were never able to fill, sorry, fit everyone at WWDC into the main venue at Moscone West. There was always overflow seating, right? Yeah, right, yep. yep. So if, if they do this at Bill Graham with a 7,000 capacity, as the Googles tells me, then they would actually be able to get everyone in fairly comfortably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, with room for other non-attendees. Right? Yeah, the only thing that, that, that as of someone who's attended WWDC and, and lined up three times at least, um, the lineup the night before is is always uh, kind of a, an event in itself, right? No doubt. You meet a lot of developers that way and, you know, you get to know people and, and you kind of, they kind of sort of become your, your, pe- your peeps for the week, you know? Um, and there are, you know, uh, people like Target and uh, there's people who bring burritos and coffee around, like, you know, people who are trying to promote their app and do some marketing. So and it starts, you know, people start lining up at midnight or yeah, 11, 11 a.m., 11 p.m. the night before. And most people jo- start joining around, you know, 3 a.m., 6 a.m. kind of thing. And it's a, it's quite an event. So I don't know how that's going to work. Around yeah, the, you know, hanging out the on the Graham. street in front of Moscone is is a lot nicer than hanging out in the street in front of the Bill Graham. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's a it's a considerably worse part of town, even though it's only a, a few blocks away. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. So that's kind of we'll uh, you know, it's it's not uh, clear to me for sure that this was done for anything other than a scheduling reason. I mean, is isn't it possible that that they didn't have enough time to do the setup because? Uh, as we know from, I think it was Jaime's uh, detective work, that uh, the only open spot was this one week. Yeah, so yeah. it's possible that there's someone using the auditorium and right up into the last second, there's not enough time to set everything up, so they need to do all that on Monday, so they needed to do the keynote somewhere else. Certainly possible. Yeah. Worth yeah. yeah, pointing no, out it, that the uh, bash on Thursday night is also uh, yeah. at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's usually at a park, right? Yeah, right across the street from the Moscone, though, right? So it's like you line up, and it's not that far to go, really. Um, considering that you might, you know, be in a late lab, or you might be in lectures until you know, uh, or talks until like three or four, right? So, hmm. yeah, I don't. It may also be. It may also be a, a weather thing too. Like the the bash always has food, and and uh, there's beverages for the older people over twenty one. Um, there's also the like the the younger kids they they put them up in a different spot and they can oversee the concert that's going on. Usually they have somebody amazing like as far as musician goes. You know they had Vampire Weekend one year. They had uh, the, what's the name? Oh, I forgot the name of the bands, but Sloan, pretty, right? Was it Sloan? 
slow last year, I think, but... Um, See, I've, yeah, I'm they, totally no, kidding. It was definitely they, not they slow. They've trees. They've had, yeah, they've had quite a few... Uh, up-and-coming bands usually usually people who are like on the itunes playlist at that that moment in time sort of thing right uh, if they were having a, a bigger name band this time then that might make a lot of sense to have it in the in the civic auditorium do you want to um kremlinology this thing all up in the business how do you mean well look at the website the wwdc website yeah. Right. Um, was it developer dot apple dot com slash wwdc? Yes. So yeah. go there and uh, they they did something quite unique and different for Apple for dub dub. They wrote it like it was code or something. This um this little poem on the homepage for wwdc is pretty weird. Yeah, I thought so too. Um. Yeah. Yeah. People have been breaking it down. So why don't you break it down for us, Aaron? I, I couldn't even begin to. Really? Yeah. Like I don't know what to make of it. This well, there's Crossy Road, clearly, the other side of the road. So it says, print hello WWDC. So that's yeah. that's legit cool. Swift, right? <laughs> okay. But the rest of it is not. It's just um, it's pro, uh, poetry, if you will. Mm-hmm. Hello, love at first swipe. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. That's like, you know, swiping. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hello, other side of the road. You think that's Crossy Road? Yeah, I read I read a tweet yesterday. And there was a couple of things that came out of this that people picked. Mark, what did you say the other day when we were chatting about it? Uh, I didn't mention the other side of the road, but I was talking about uh, "Hello Driver, Fast as You Can" could be an Uber reference. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're implying uh, every that pitch, every mm-hmm. highlight is a baseball reference. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, self-combusting selfies is is Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, six seconds of fame could also be Snapchat or similar Vine. things. Vine, Vine, yeah. Okay, so the yeah. idea is that all, right. all of these lines refer to particular apps. Yeah, something like that. The, the yeah, big, but the big but guns. But the question the is, store. why? Right? Are these are these things that Apple is uh, creating integration for? For example, is there now going to be Snapchat integration or Vine integration? No, no. I uh, think this is just. Or is, does Apple have their own version? Or no, no. Why would they single these out? Yeah, workout and living could be like uh, Apple TV or health or uh, what's it? Yep. HomeKit, right? Yep. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Or, or that the, the the app for for home workouts that they've been featuring since day one of the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called, but you know, you know the one I'm talking about. The one, um, wait, wait, so it, it could also mean the one. Okay, now we're getting really conspiratorial here. Uh, Taylor Swift is in the workout oh, right. yeah. commercial, mm-hmm. and she would definitely be a high end musical act that they would have to have something like the Bill Graham Auditorium for. They could do At that a, in, in a sausage park. fest like WWDC? Well, they could keep the, the crowd away from her that way, too. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to the women that attend WWDC, of course, but, you know. these are It's just a shout-out to apps on the store. And it's always the most popular apps because that's what Apple does. They feature the most popular apps. But every year that they do this this WWC site, they theme it somehow, either in the logo or whatever. And, and you can sort of, like, you know, with um, when uh, iOS 7 came out, they, they went into sort of the rainbow colors and everything was kind of flat and muted. But uh, so every year they've something in the, uh, you know, there was a big wave uh, in the graphic for when they went to the surfing metaphor for uh, Yosemite and no, it was uh, Mavericks, right? You know, they had the big wave graphic in the, yeah. Well, they're clearly doing this this year. Maybe it's going back to just having no UI. It's just code. It looks like uh, Xcode with the midnight theme, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is fine. And uh, I, you know, I don't think that there's anything that you can reasonably read into this, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'm glad that there's going to be the live stream. So mm-hmm. this is the big thing that we can all sort of take comfort in. Uh, those of us who there is just no way in hell we can afford to attend this conference. Uh, certainly not me. Um, you know, the, the price of the conference is the same. The thing that everybody's complaining about are the hotel room prices. Yeah, they keep going up. Yeah, like $400 a night for, really? for, no, no. for a crappy one. The, the Park 55 is 400 a night. Oh, they had the hotels listed already? No, people have been talking on Twitter. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, unfortunately, that's just San Francisco. Well, they, they do. Yeah. They do have a. Apple does put on a. a they do have a arrangement with, uh, and it's sort of first come first serve on hotel rooms, and they're generally cheaper than the than the regular room rate. So, I think I've paid probably two hundred dollars a night for rooms. The last time I was the last yeah. time I was over twenty fourteen. Right? That's so. not going to happen anymore. So really, yeah, mm-hmm. they, the costs are, are quite high. And yes, Mark, that is San Francisco, but um, wow. uh, that that does that is still real dollars that people have to pay. And uh, I, it was Casey Liss who do, did a um, blog post today talking about that cost, uh, and he listed his hotel costs for the last four years or five years that he's been going to WWDC, and uh, it's like two hundred fifty percent higher than it was for this first time so it is quite expensive uh and then of course if you're a canadian and you look at that and then convert it to canadian dollars it's even more expensive so um to me i'm just like no i'm not i'm out (laughs) Um, so i'd say three things to that one uh there is a attending section that says you know for your convenience discounted rates have been negotiated at select mm -hmm. hotels and uh Per Tim's thing, I think last year is like two fifty, two seventy five per night. I think uh, when I booked mine through the WWDC cool. site after getting the the ticket. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Two is uh, folks like Casey List. They, they they tend to book the hotel like months in advance, and it's not real clear to me if he like unbooks and rebooks for like a cheaper option. So mm-hmm. if you if you you know, back in January, say, boom, it's going to be this week. I'm just going to go ahead and, and book the hotel because it's always cancelable and easily refundable. That could be one thing. I'd, I'd like to look up and see that. And the other bit I'd like to say is a, a lot of folks that uh, I know, but I have not personally done this myself, are using Airbnb, which is right considerably cheaper for all those folks who are, you know, leaving San Francisco for that week. Yeah, I know a bunch of people, too. Because don't forget, there's also AltConf, right? And a lot of people go to San Francisco that week, whether they're attending WWC or not. And I know a group of people last year who rented a uh, house for like a week or two around the event. Um, and that's another way to to share the costs of, of uh, going to that as far as accommodation is concerned, right? Yeah, still still definitely not cheap, though. Yeah, you don't actually have to stay in the city uh, if you if you go out. To the suburbs, yeah. on Bard or, or, or Caltrain or whatever, mm-hmm. you can get something much cheaper. Uh, it's less convenient, of course, but but you can save a lot of money by doing that. Yeah, the first year I went to San Francisco, I think for like a MacWorld or whatever, I stayed way up past Russian Hill, and it was, you know, in a sort of motel kind of thing, and it was it was reasonable. You know, we just had a long commute in the morning for as far. I mean, not long. I mean, like maybe twenty minutes, half an hour on cable car, actually. I think right. So. Yeah. yeah, that is still San Francisco though. But if you you can you can go oh, yeah, yeah. to the uh, the peninsula or or across to Oakland or Berkeley and just take Bart in. So that that's mm-hmm. that's also an option. Bart is probably faster than than uh, taking the cable car actually. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Bart's I, that train thing, right? Oh, I'm sorry, Bart. Yeah, for those of you who are not from around here, uh, Bart stands for Bay Area Rapid Trans, uh, Transit, which is the subway 
in the San Francisco area. Which goes from the airport, by the way, too, as well. So, it so. does go from both airports now. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it goes it goes down south of San Francisco on the peninsula. It goes down as far as the airport, but no further. Uh, it goes across east, across the bay, to Oakland and Berkeley, and ultimately out to uh, Livermore. Uh, I'm sorry, not Livermore, but uh, Pleasanton, yeah. uh, which is a little bit east, as well as Fremont, which is a little bit south. So you can get around. Uh you know, it, may, it it's for sure it's not as convenient as you know walking out of your hotel and walking five minutes down the road to yeah. Moscone. But you know, if if that's a trade off you have to make to make the conference, and it's it's definitely doable. So I, I can sort of say I think my sort of gut feeling on the conference has always sort of been around five thousand dollars all in, like you know. Um, and I may be a little light on the airfare too, but you know, cause coming from Canada, we pay a little bit more as well. But so Jaime, do you, do you sort of get that from your past year's experience last year? Yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Probably closer to four ish K for me because, mm-hmm. um, one doing it in us dollars and two, there's tons of cheap flights going down the coast from Seattle to San right. Francisco. So I didn't fly quite as, uh, longer route and potentially a narrower route than a, a frequent commuting between uh, these cities on the coast. Yeah, but I mean, that said, you know, uh, if you can swing the money, whether you are you can afford it yourself or your company pays for it, it's an experience unlike any other as far as uh, conferences for, especially for iOS developers go, or Cocoa developers, in fact, as well. Right. Who's registered for the lottery? I haven't yet. I'm waiting to find out if the company I'm working for will be sending us or not. I registered. Let's see, I registered as well, and uh, I think by the time this episode comes out, uh, you unfortunately will not be able to because you have to register through April 22nd at 10 a.m. Pacific, and apparently Monday the 25th they will be sending out emails to all of the lucky folks who got the golden ticket to Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Oh, so it's up to Friday, right? This Friday. Yes. Oh. yes. Fri- Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Hmm. Will you hear back in time, Tim? I'm going to ask the question as soon as the podcast is finished recording. I've already asked. I just said, because a few developers at, at the office, we have a sort of, we use HipChat, and we were talking about it uh, yesterday to see who, you know, if they're going to send anybody. And, you know, the lottery thing kind of makes it difficult in enterprise areas because it depends on your schedule whether you can actually go or not, you know? In terms of what deliverable deliverables you have on the go, sort of thing. I got to think that if, if if there's any company out there that employs um, Apple developers of any stripe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be quite churlish of them to not approve that trip. Uh, you know, especially if they're of your size, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I do think that um, uh, it's just a matter of. of getting getting the thing done they, i know that last year they i spoke to the manager who was um at the, their last year at this time and he sort of said they would they did try to send a couple of people but uh, i don't know if they were successful or not but i think i think it's something that that they'll do right for sure we'll be attending ns north on mass so you're attending ns north yeah a bunch of us are yeah from the from the bank camp yeah. ah that's good that would explain it. they sold out and uh, that's good news yeah. for them mm-hmm. um i will not be attending I guess I'm I'm just not doing conferences anymore. Yeah, you know it's it's I know what you mean. I I know, I know the feeling like it's um I don't know. I the only thing the only thing about NS North for for me though is that's in Toronto. So it's you know it's kind of like you know Mark always wanted to go to WWDC but you know and for him being where great geographically where he is it makes great sense, right? 
You know, how would you how would you do that, Mark? Would you just drive up the road every day? Or? Well, that, it's actually a good question. It's it's not as easy as it sounds. It's I don't actually live in San Francisco. I live close to an hour away. Yeah. So so I'd still have to well either drive up every every morning, which I've done in the past, and it's, it's not fun, uh, or stay at a hotel in the city and and have the same same uh, issues as everybody else with that. Uh, it depends. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens if it. Maybe we'll get the WW or we'll get the uh, MTJC uh, house rental thing going. <laughs> yeah, or you we know. could just we could just chill at Mark's place <laughs> if you want to drive up an hour. You know, gets a little payment Rent and then we just all bago. carpool. Yeah, up. That's yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get carpool, <laughs> carpool lane, driving up. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. yep. All so Aaron, you had mentioned uh, this little MacBook thing. Did you want to talk about that? Well, just a little bit. Um, the MacBook 12-inch Retina was refreshed this week, sort of a mm-hmm. stealth update. Apple did a press release, and uh, there's there's really not a whole lot new. And I don't think – I'd be surprised – I guess I was surprised that people were expecting something more significant than what we ended up with. Um, it's a speed bump, essentially. So the MacBook now has, I believe it's Skylake processors. So it's got a faster CPU. Uh, it's got battery batter- – battery <laughs> – Battery battery life. Hi, <laughs> uh, better battery life, <laughs> and um, it now comes in rose gold. Yeah. So uh, hooray for the MacBook! Now a lot of people uh, in the blogosphere, yeah, damn their silly hides, they um, think that this is the whole hummiest MacBook ever. And personally, I'm okay with that. Nobody's been happy with the MacBook among the technorati mm-hmm, ever mm-hmm. since it launched you know given that it has just one port and it has a little funky keyboard that people aren't used to and um and it's you know a little more expensive than your average computer i uh, actually was thinking that you know of course i have one so i have not spotted these things in the wild much mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. if ever i can't remember ever seeing one in the wild i know farley has one but uh I can't think of ever seen one in the wild, and that's because uh, they are kind of on the pricey side and not the most powerful machine out there. But I love it. Uh, it's my favorite Mac. I think of the. I have the 27-inch Retina 5K Mac, mm-hmm. iMac, and I've got this thing, and I think I love the MacBook more. Um, I feel more affection for it. Hmm. Uh, there you go. But. So the new one is just a speed bump, basically, and uh, people are freaking out because it didn't come, you know, and Gruber said this too, he's like, you know, funny, there's no Thunderbolt port, just still the same USB. Yeah, well, Apple's committed to that, you know, like, that's not going to change. You're not going to see, you know, two or three more ports appear on this thing. It's not like Apple's going to give in. Uh, This is the future. (laughs) This is what's going to be what things are like. So suck it up. If you don't like it, don't buy it. So how do you find, I asked Farley this question, I was tongue-in-cheek asking him about um, compiling times, but what's it like using Xcode on that beastie? It's slower than my iMac. Absolutely. Well, clearly, but, you know, so, it's, it's but, I mean, but is it livable? Like, can you survive? Like, if it was your only Mac, would you survive on it? I would survive on it, yeah. Sure. I, I wouldn't think twice about taking it on a trip um, to become my own only machine. Uh, I've done that, actually, so it's not a theoretical I went to the cottage last summer, and this was, of course, the only computer I had with me, and it's the only computer I used. And I use it for half the day every day when I'm doing my work, right? I take it to the coffee shop, and, you know, I'm working on it. So uh, it's totally doable, absolutely doable. And I don't know why anybody would be surprised by that. 
you can always get a faster computer. Um, That's true. But um, the fact is, most of my time spent working is me kind of staring off into the middle distance. <laughs> it's not waiting for Xcode to do its thing. Right, right. It's me going, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> or, why isn't this working? Or, somebody kill me now. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my weapon of choice is, is my MacBook Air 13-inch from a, you know, two, three years ago. And, yeah, I'm looking, I'm staring at two MacBook Airs right now. But uh, MacBooks Air. MacBook Air, yeah, not MacBook, you know. Um, no, so. it was just, never mind. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, oh, I see, MacBook Air, yeah. MacBooks uh, Air. Mm. Whatever. Um, so it's a good, good, uh, I think I it's. I love it. I think it's well. I mean, and it's not. It's more expensive than the MacBooks Air, right? As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, but it has a Retina screen, right? It's, that was the thing, right? So yeah. it was super important to me. This was my motivation: was I wanted, I wanted Retina everywhere. Right. So that's why the MacBook Air or the regular MacBook was the only option for me, really. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want a giant Pro. I didn't want a MacBook Pro. Yeah, and you, clearly you've made do with the one port for the last year, right? So yeah, hasn't been a super hindrance. And you got your little adapter thingy for when you get crazy and want to plug Ethernet into it and stuff, right? Well, not Ethernet, but uh, USB, for example. Um, you know, and thinking about my use case, my usage patterns, I've never had to plug two things in at once mm. at all. Ever, I, maybe once, yeah. maybe once in the last year, and I've had it for over a year now. So it's a good good amount of data I've collected. So I've, uh, we've talked about it before on the show. I have this hub. Uh, it's, it plugs in the USB, and on the other side, it's got a pass-through, uh, two USB ports of the regular variety, and a couple of SD card slots, right? Um, the only thing I've ever done is plugged a regular USB into this hub to plug into the Mac. And I've never had more than that plugged into this thing at once. Um, which goes to show that my problem with this computer isn't that it has just one port. My problem with the computer is that it does not have a regular USB port, mm-hmm. right? All the things I want to plug into it that require an adapter um, are just regular USB. If everything w- had switched to USB-C, I would never use the adapter. And there's no such... Well, I guess it is. A, this is the adapter for you to plug your phones in and iPads and if you had to, right? If I had to, yeah. But um, it's just it doesn't really come up. You don't build to them ever? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, but like I'm, I only ever have one thing in at a time is what I'm saying. Oh, I see. Yeah, I follow you. Okay. Oh, and you've got that. It came, it came, does it come with a little adapter cable thing for... No, you have to buy it. So you, you buy the adapter, which I did. Yeah. Um, but then I, I got this other adapter, the one that has... It's basically a hub with the two USB, two SDs, and a pass-through. Right, right. USB-C. Um, and I bought that a while ago when it came out. And it's fine. Although not perfect, I should add. Because mm-hmm. um, I've been doing some electronics programming the last week or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to plug an Arduino into the hub uh, leads you to all kinds of errors connecting it. Um, so this hub sort of screws things up. But the direct uh, Apple adapter works fine. So that's to what? To write your sketches and, and to lo- download load sketches them directly? Onto the Arduino, yeah. And you can't do that through an SD card or something like that? or No, I guess not. No, the Arduino has a, a USB port on it. So you right, yeah, get the right. USB cable okay. and plug it into your Mac. Yeah, I'm, I'm hip. I've got, we, we run both Raspberry Pis and Arduinos here, and they're, they're different. Very much so. Sense. So, okay. 
Do we want to talk about the new app store that Apple is sort of rolling out? Go for it. I don't know anything about this. If you guys looked at that, I was just going to ask if you had looked, had a chance to look at the link or whatever. I did take a look at the link. Is it really anything more than just a, a new page, web page? Do you think there's anything really going on? Well, so what Apple's done is they've introduced, those of you who don't know, they've introduced a new um, app store develop, app store developer.apple.com app hyphen store page and it talks about new it's a new set of sort of aggregating from apple of the tools that are available for developers some insight on um how to become discoverable and that kind of stuff um so i don't know that it seems to be a, um, a hint towards some of the changes they're going to be making on the app store itself right whether that's just on the developer side or and i think it coincides with the new new look and feel of the developer site in, itself right so but that's what i was i was reading some some uh articles on it but uh in passing just on some of the sort of the promise of the fact that they're making changes so i wasn't sure if you guys had looked at that yet you know, the guidelines are all sort of laid out straightforward for you, you know, whether it's the HIG or human interface guidelines or whether you're writing for Apple TV or Apple Pay or that kind of stuff. And getting reviews and review guidelines. And I guess I'm not sure how they were before. Like, were they all scattered all over the place or? So that's a key thing, though, right? Like, so it's uh, this nice, friendly interface collecting a lot of this information that was sort of disparate and here, there and everywhere. Uh, in, in some sort of logical progression, right? Like insights, planning, uh, guidelines for apps, and then the submission part, right? So they cover pieces, uh, let's say like in planning, it's like, well, what about choosing a business model uh, and work with in-app purchases? And how about app in, you know, analytics and user acquisition marketing, uh, surfacing content in search for iOS 9 and test flight for beta testing, all of these things that like you could find somewhere, but unless you felt like, staring at the uh, rather awful portal that they had before or you felt like looking at the laundry list of WWDC videos and kind of inferring from there what you should be looking for. Um, this is a much nicer curated collection of the, that information. Yeah, like one of the sections here is, called, is under planning tab is making the most of the App Store. And there's a whole set of information on building your App Store presence. And there's a whole section on, on business of apps. talks about what type of business model to use, whether you're going to do a freemium or in-app purchases or um, a subscription model or whatever. Or uh, So there's like, and there are articles specifically to those ones. Actually, the, the new ones that they've Apple's highlighted here are the choosing a business model uh, using a freemium business model and offering subscriptions. And then there's also ways to do a little bit of marketing, I guess, in terms of uh, expanding your market and engaging. They've got some, uh, like Mar Jaime said, um, some marketing analytics, um, things like beta testing and test flight, that kind of, and, you know, parental controls and that kind of things that you want to may want to put in your app. So, and I, and I, I know I've seen a lot of these things in the past, but I can't remember them all being sort of nicely wrapped up like this, right? Yeah, it seems like even though there's, maybe not a whole lot that's new for experienced developers. Uh, it's good to see that they're at least making an effort to make things easier for new developers and, and uh, easier to find for existing developers as well. And this may be part of uh, Phil Schiller's um, new role as somebody taking, taking over. He's in controlling doing something about the app store or uh, it's not part of his new mandate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, right. So there's a what do you want? Focus. So, like I, I've joked before that the the App Store was like some summer interns project for the summer, right, and right. they do stuff at WWDC, and then you forget about it for an entire year. Right. 
So here's one that's kind of nifty. So if you go to the um, App Store piece that you were talking about and then the categories, you know, choosing a category, there's a nice little tool where you can click on two different categories and say, well, what's the difference between lifestyle and shopping? Which one do I fit into? Right, right. When you can see more specifically, like, here's the examples of those kind of apps that would that would fit in there. So let's say you had like news and magazines and newspapers. You're like, what the heck? What's the difference between the two? So now you can see, like, oh, okay. These offer auto renewing subscription, blah, blah, blah. And the other one is current events and developments, so on and so forth. Sigh, big sigh. Yeah. The more uh, I look at this, you know, the more overwhelmed I get and the less I want to get involved in this. <laughs> Where's the exit? Get me out of here. Well, I can exit for you. Um, I found another link on uh, today on a tweet. I was looking at uh, I saw a note about uh, Apple has uh, released app, new App Store review guidelines have been released, um, and there's a site that aggregates them. Um, I think it's out of hang on one sec Zurich, I believe. Yes, Copenhagen and Zurich. It's an agency, um, and they've been aggregating. It's called uh, App Store Review Guidelines History, and they they basically pick out the highlights from for the TLDR crowd, um, the highlights of what's changed in the App Store uh, recently. Uh, for instance, looking at my notes, um, they've got new rules around background location use, uh, new rules about downloading music directly to a library on the device. There's some new rules on um, what you can do with HealthKit and CareKit information. Uh, there's a new Apple Music API. <laughs> I thought you that... said HellKit. <laughs> HellKit, yeah. I like HellKit. Let's let's learn yeah, more about well, HellKit. <laughs> all right, for sure. Uh, well, the HellKit leads into the, the Apple Music API that's now in there. Well, and that figures. Uh, one little thing here that I, I don't think that I didn't realize that people were actually doing, but I, I have heard some grumblings about this, about things like things that will get your app immediately rejected. Like, for instance, charging for tools that are built into the OS, like iCloud integration, for instance. Apparently, some developers had been building that in and charging for them. So the the highlight, you know, it's it's kind of like somebody's taken a green highlighter to the to the to the document and highlighted out the, the parts that are sort of new and and. Uh, um, noteworthy um but as well you can also if you keep scrolling down the page you know they've got the guidelines from the apple tv rollout from october 2015 there's you know stuff from ios 9 coming out in september 16 2015 you know changes to passbook or which is when they change it to the name wallet um and they sort of it's sort of a like um an editor's uh view like uh what do you call it in, in word where you can have the changes display the changes it's a diff man yeah, I know yeah. what you're calling track changes in Word, but this is a diff. Yeah, yeah. So it's showing what what was there before and now what they're calling it. You know how it's changed between uh, between different versions. So interesting. Yeah, it's nice to see it like this. I, I really wish that Apple itself would email developers this information. Say, hey, here's the diff, and here's the link to the entire guidelines if you want to review it again. Uh, some of these are kind of not surprising to me. They're sensible additions, right? Like Care Kit and, and Health Kit piece. Um, clarifying the fact that uh, keyboard extensions probably should provide keyboard functionality, you know, type like characters. typing letters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all good and fun that you've got like emoji and stuff, but it sure would be nice if you had actual keys for you know, <laughs> letters, letters and numbers <laughs> and punctuation. Uh, the, the, the one I find amusing is the ones for the Apple Music API, where uh, 30.1 apps using the Apple Music API that trigger playback without explicit user action will be rejected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that tickles me because I remember a tweet uh, 
some time ago where somebody said, hey, here's how you can programmatically Rickroll somebody. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> using Apple Music where you can just have like a button that says, you know, press here to get more news. And it would just start playing the, uh, was it Rick Astley? Never, never, was it Never Gonna Give You Up? Oh, yeah, that's, it. Dun, that's it. Thanks, dun, thanks, dun, thanks. I can't remember the name of the song. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't realize there was an Apple Music API. Well, there you go. See? Yeah, actually looking at that, I'm like, wait a second. So I can, I can, well, I got to find out more about this API. Talk to me. Yeah, the, the one Music downside API. it had, yeah, the one downside it had at the time was I don't think you could get a, um, like a canonical ID for a bit of content. So Mr. Astley's um, song there has, I believe, two different IDs, you know, like one for Canada and one for America. Right. Yep. So yep. you couldn't just say, hey, look, uh, assuming it's in this person's store play this bit of music so there's there's some bit of localization that has to take place yeah we have a challenge with that we have one of our our apps has a playlist that's uh, put together which doesn't work in the united states i mean it's helped me figure that out from time to time so because the ids that they chose were for the canadian app store hmm yeah good luck finding any information about it god i mean come on okay i'm in the ios 9.3 what's new document Hmm. Yes, they let... Okay, so the Media Player and StoreKit frameworks let you add an Apple Music track to the music library and play it. Ugh. Then you got to use SK Cloud Service Controller to determine the current capabilities. Then you can use MP Media Library, Add Item with Product ID, Completion Handler, to add a track to the library. And then MP Music Player Controller. Huh. With Set Queue with Store IDs to play a track. MP Music Player, isn't that, like, old news? Yeah, it's like, uh... uh That's X- deprecated. was 4, yeah. yeah. Like, I thought we were moving to AV Foundation. Like, what's going on here? Madness! Okay. Anyway, that's... that's. I don't want to... I'm going to well, parking lot that. Is, SK is the store kit one, clearly. In, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like any time you use store kit, like, God kills a kitten. MP was always what you used whenever, whenever there was uh, access control or, or DRM type stuff. So oh, that's maybe that's it sense. then. Yeah. Unfortunate. But I thought that that stuff was getting deprecated. Yeah. Are are the App Store updates, are they in fact sneaky? Well, they I don't know if they, they're sneaky per se, but they, they kind of came out without much fanfare recently. Like, I think, what was the date on this? It is April 19th, yesterday. Yeah. That's what I meant. To, that same day as they announced the new MacBook, right? Uh, no. Uh, yes. Yes. That is correct. I don't know that it has anything to do with that. But no, yeah. but I'm just saying maybe maybe it's a... <laughs> Tuesdays are release Tuesdays, days. Tuesday a day yeah, that they roll stuff out. Hmm. Interesting stuff to know. So, uh, question. Do you guys have a look at the very last thing they put on there? I just put it on a couple of hours ago, but um, this is a... Oh. What? Yeah, I'm just reacting for you. Ray, <laughs> Ray Winderlich's, uh, um posted in his newsletter today uh, a link to... A gentleman who posted something on Reddit about how he got to quit his day job because he made so much money making games. A and, game. Yeah, one game. But he's made several games, and he's listed them all out here. He's listed out the income he made or number of downloads. I guess not doesn't really see income, but you can surmise from that where he got the money from. Uh, he's the guy who created a dark room. And he talks about uh, not only what what the sort of download numbers were and figures were, but he also put in a bunch of do's and don'ts for getting your app featured on the App Store and what, you know, kind of things work for you and what kind of things to avoid doing. Uh, Like, you know, the old one that I think we've talked about this on the floor before. Don't release something during a holiday week because that's uh, you think it might be good, but it's actually bad to do that. 
you know, clearly the things that we've always talked about, you know, using the featured, featured, uh, the new featured stuff from Apple is a good way to get, um, uh, a new way to get featured, um, look at what other apps in your sort of, uh, genre are doing, see how they, how they look, how they feel, or, you know, the kind of apps that are going to featured. I mean, you know, like for instance, in his case, his case, he competes against, you know, Alto's journey and monument Valley, you know, things that we've talked about on this show before, um, tiny wings, that kind of stuff. But don't, you know, obviously don't go to Apple and say, this is like crossy, crossing the road, crossy, what's it called? Crossy, crossy road. road. Crossy road, but better. That's the kind of thing that they'll totally ignore um, if it's a spinoff, that kind of stuff. So he talks about, he gives an example on how to do a pitch uh, email to uh, to Apple, I guess, and maybe also to um, 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 magazines like, um, why do I always forget this name of this tap? What was the name of the, the uh, place that you guys were talking to, Mark, when I first met you? Tap? Tap on. Uh, Touch Arcade? Touch Arcade, yes. Yeah, Touch Arcade. And, um, you know, how to deal with them. Um, it's, it's just a, you know, some of the stuff we talked about before, but some stuff we'd never talked about before about how one might get featured or, you know, might be successful on the, on the star. Just some ideas. Yeah. Step number five here is entertaining. Number five, wait until the Thursday you were supposed to get featured on <laughs> reflect on why you didn't get featured. See which <laughs> apps did get featured. Try to understand why try not to cry, go in the corner and cry. <laughs> yeah it's okay. quite extensive like it covers a lot of topics that i think we've uh i mean i've, I've not read this before but i'm just kind of skimming through it mm-hmm. live here it covers a lot of topics that we've covered on the show and it's um pretty pretty extensive i think this is worth a read yeah this is a good list hit us aaron don't be bitter aaron well, he's okay. not in a good mood today. Let's start off. With oh, that. yeah. I'm sorry. I, I I did say that at the very beginning, maybe before either of you showed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in a raunchy mood this e- evening. So, seven hundred thousand dollars selling a premium mobile game. Um, now I'm looking at his list of figures. He actually pu- was kind enough to publish all this. Um, I guess he didn't make personally seven. I think he got gross revenues of seven hundred thousand. Because it appears that he's netted one hundred and fifty-two. In 2013 and 14, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and then that was in that year. And then the next year, uh, year two, went down to 39,000. And then his other games, The Ensign and A Noble Circle, combined were about 30,000. Mm-hmm. So it seems that he shouldn't actually quit his day job, or he shouldn't have. Right. Um, if if money was his only concern. And this is a good list. I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of great ideas here of things that you can do. But I'm still finding this kind of depressing because the number one thing on this list, I don't know, if, I'm not sure if he mentions it. Maybe he does. Um, step one, where's step one? It's way down here. Uh, no, step step zero should be make a game that is inexplicably popular. Mm-hmm. Something that um, that he did do, um, making a dark room, which by all accounts is an excellent game, uh, but is not in itself a repeatable step uh, demonstrated by his subsequent apps, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> all these other things, I'm sure they matter, but I'm not sure how much they matter compared to that step zero that so many of us may mm-hmm. not be able to do. That's why I sighed. It's too bad that um, 
Instacast is going to filter that <laughs> silence out. Instacast or Overcast, you mean? Instacast. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Instacast was my previous podcaster pick. <laughs> oh, really? It is gone hmm. now. Because it's hard to make it on the app no, store, that's kids. True, but <laughs> no matter how true, successful you get. He does say in, in the beginning of the article that, that no kidding around, this was a lot of hard work, right? Um, you know, and, and as you said, I hadn't looked at the, the uh, final numbers, but yeah, he's not talking about making, he's talking about grossing what he, he did and Apple takes their chunk and so on and so forth. Right. Um, but getting featured on touch arcade and cult of Mac didn't hurt. And you know, these, these are, and he does talk about a point where it kind of went viral, but like you said, that that's that those things are like winning the lottery kind of things, you know, um, not to say that, not yeah. to say that, you know, this for our listeners, this isn't the kind of, if they're serious about it or considering it, this is the kind of stuff that we've been talking about, as Jaime said in the past, um, in various ways and shapes and forms about the kind of work that you have to do to get some sort of notoriety and success, right? Yeah. And look at the cross promotion here too, right? So he's rolling it into a yeah, book, yeah. Yeah. surviving the app store, how to succeed in the app store as an indie game developer. That's his exit plan. By the way, he made his, his games in Ruby Motion too, which is an interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mm-hmm. saw that. That was cool. So it makes me wonder if he's coming out with an Android version, or if he did. No. Is that mentioned here? Because with Ruby Motion, you can. Can you? Or am I uh, misremembering how Ruby Motion works? Uh, I think I am actually, because you still have to work against the right, uh, right. Android SDK. Yeah. So never mind that. Let's see. Ruby Motion, write cross-platform apps for iOS, Android, and OS X in Ruby is what it says on the tin at rubymotion.com. Yeah, but uh, I remember thinking that, too, and and then looking further into it, and it turned out that uh, you're always writing Ruby, and if you're a Rubyist, you love Ruby, but you still have to write against the SDKs. So uh, when you're writing an iOS app in Ruby Motion, you're still targeting Cocoa. Um, and so, so, too, with uh, Android. You've got to hit the Android SDKs, whatever they are. Which kind of makes you wonder what the hell the point is, right? Life, the universe, <laughs> and everything, or app development? App development, yeah. Um, I mean, the point of using RubyMotion oh, to see, yeah, go yeah. cross-platform. Like, it's really not... Yeah, yeah. that was sort of my thinking. I, and I think, as of today, you know, and this is... Well, sorry, we're going off the beaten path here, but um, I think the only way you can use one thing, writing natively at least, uh, is to use Xamarin. But there you have to learn C-sharp. Um, and then use this Xamarin SDK, which uh, then talks or creates binaries for Android and iOS. Well, if you're a game developer, you can also use the Unity. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about serious that. apps, not, not these apps, guess, lame, lame old seven hundred thousand yeah. dollar earning games. You know, serious, serious business mm. computer. <laughs> which, um, sorry, I've got to get that now and show yeah. you. Um, you've seen this. Um, this ad from Apple in the 80s. Here it is. First hit. Love it. Let's see if we can... Uh... Oh, yeah. What? Richard Rouse. EP Finance? He's in from New York. Excuse me. I need a PC to run this on. Is there one I can use? Oh, yes, sir. You can use mine. Uh, no. I said a PC. This is a Windows disk. Yeah, you, you can run that on here. Now there's a Mr. Potato Head on top of his computer. Hmm. I didn't think this was a serious business computer. Is that hell? Because the joke is, like, the guy says, you know, I thought, I, you know, I, I don't want to use a Mac. I need a serious business computer. And because of the Mr. Potato Head on the uh, thing, he takes it off. He says, does that help? <laughs> um, 
Uh, classic Apple ad from the, I guess, 90s, maybe. Huh? I don't know. Um, don't know when that mm. aired. Probably the 90s. Power, it was a Power Mac, so it must have been. So, uh, anyway, serious business computer. Now, um, I think the, the takeaway from this, uh, this Reddit article is that you're humped. Yeah. You think? Yeah, well, I do. Okay, so uh, I do. I mean, you, you seem to think there was some, some value in the content. Mark, you as well, right? No? I, I think it was a great article. Uh, he's, there, there's no guaranteed recipe for success, uh, but he has a lot of valid points. He's talking about a lot of good things. You know, it, it's uh, it's a good article. It's no no guarantees, but it's a good article. Yeah, I think it's worth worth a read. I didn't say it's not a a good article, um, and I I didn't say there's not a lot of good advice in here. There is, you know, like like all of the success stories that we hear about, they paper over the vast number of failures that um, that we don't well, internalize. Yeah, I mean we've we've had this conversation a hundred times. Yeah, it's like that in any business, right? There's Maybe eight or, or eight. For every restaurant that succeeds, there's what it, it, like ten that fail. I mean, it's, it, there's no guarantees in anything, right? If, if well, if, I'd be curious to know what the ratio is for apps. If that is in fact the ratio for restaurants, I wonder if it's a hundred to one. Well, so what if it is though? That's the nature of the business, and you have to choose whether you want to be in that business or not. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole lot less uh, barrier to entry in making an app than there is in a restaurant, right? Anyone can download the tools for free and and just start working away. So too true. You know, so so if if everyone who who decided they wanted to be an iOS developer and wrote an app made a million dollars a year, then you know then then well we'd all be happy, of course, but but. Uh, I don't think the world. No, and and, that. and Apple would have to raise the price of entry to the point where half of us, or more than like a small, very small percent of us, could afford to actually get in. Right. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't. I mean, um, yes. Yes. There's a lot of failures, but there's a lot of people doing a lot of crap and putting it out there mm-hmm. too. So keep that in keep that in mind when you when you you know worry about the number of failures right. and the failure rate. Yeah, I don't want you to take away from what I'm saying that we are somehow owed our success, and I know that we're not, and I understand that. Um, I'm simply pointing out that um, we don't seem to have enough of a focus on um, the the reality of things that the success success stories gloss over. And I think we mentioned that before, but and I always maintain that if you want to open or if you like making food for people and you like the smiles on people's faces and that's what turns your crank then open a restaurant but you know don't expect to be mcdonald's or w or or some giant steakhouse right like do what you do because you love doing what you do so it's and you know and then looking at so there's another post here that uh i think jaime put up on the notes about salaries I put one in response to your initial one because there was another one that that uh, was brought to so my attention. So when I look, when I look, was... and I try not to look at numbers like this because they they severely depress me. But you know, when I look at you know the kind of monies that Amazons and Facebooks and Googles are paying, you know, for I don't know what level engineers these are. These are un- inconceivable mo- amount of money <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So, well, worth pointing out. Um, so there's a level one, level two, level three, level four, yeah. and then they took roughly what's equivalent between uh, Amazon, Facebook, Google, and um, Microsoft. Uh, I'm sure everybody notices the weird disparity at level three and level four for uh, Google, Facebook, and such. Uh, worth pointing out that um, a fair 
section of that is not just straight up salary. So the bluish part of the bar is just straight up salary. The other part is bonus based on stock and things, uh, which is its own game. So if you look at just the salary piece, it's a lot easier to sort of figure out where things fall. And, And I would say that it's not exactly fair from a pure dollars perspective to compare a salary that is necessary to be you know, successful attracting talent in Silicon Valley as opposed to Seattle, which itself is actually fairly, you know, expensive, but it's not uh, crazy expensive like Silicon Valley. Right, right. So, so for instance, like these, um, like a level one is meant to be like a junior intermediate developer kind of thing, and then you move up from there. So, so well, in I'm the, not sure that's true. But, uh, but in the, just one second, but in the chart, where he's got the the numbers laid out. So, are we meant to look at the sort of salary median as as the sort of what people are getting paid kind of thing? You know what I mean? Like if you look at the, the chart of numbers, I mean the right. The so this table. is this is total compensation. So total compensation generally has a salary component, which is a guaranteed component. It has a bonus component, which depends wildly on the on the company and the subsector of the industry that you're in. And the performance of the company over a given year, and over your own performance, and all these kind of things. There's the the bonus can can vary widely from year to year, and and person to person, even very often. Uh, and then there's stock, uh, which is a whole other level. Stock is is given out as a piece of the total compensation. Usually, you're given a certain number of shares. That depends on many things again, uh, including. Uh, what level you're at, what company you're at, uh, what your what the price of the stock was when you first joined goes in. So if you happen to start a point where where the the price is lower, uh, then you might get more shares than someone who started a month earlier, and the price is much higher. I mean, they they try not to do that kind of thing, but it happens, right? Because you have to make that sort of that to make it equitable, that yeah, yeah, part of your compensation, right, right. right. Uh, and then, then you can get grants, stock grants based on performance. You can get stock grants for various, various different things. So, so all of that added up, uh, it goes into what they call your total compensation, which, which may or may not be what you actually get in any given year, because they they come up with these numbers that based on on just averages, uh, especially for stock and, and bonus and things like that, but. To be honest, looking at these numbers, I don't think that's this is unreasonable for for Silicon Valley or for those companies in particular. I don't think this is unreasonable at all. Um, now, at the higher end, what's happening? Level three and level four. I don't know exactly what these levels are, uh, but level three and level four, I assume, is pretty high. I mean, they're talking about principal software engineers, uh, so those are pretty high levels, and there's not too many of those, and they tend to be very experienced. So, so not only is it the fact that you have experienced good people who are at the top of the game, but you also have people who have been around at these companies often for a long time. So they could be getting stock bonuses that are, that are very large because they were there when, before the companies really took off. And so they have a lot of shares from the early days. That's, that's very possible. So for example, in level four, where you see all that orange, if they're including, well, they're saying it's annual bonus. So I, I don't know if they're including stock or not. It's hard, it's hard to say. Presumably, at a place like Google, there's there's a big bunch of stock in there, and, and Google stock does very well traditionally. Now, now I'm not sure that level one is an entry level job. I, I don't think it is actually based on on these numbers, but it's it's certainly a, a, a mid level 
job. What makes you say that, Mark? Like because of the salary? The numbers. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not defined, right? And then if you look at the chart yeah, of the data defined. there, yeah. um, they have the counts. And the level fours, there are only four people that represent those salaries. Yep. And whereas they seem to be a little more representative the lower you go. The, I, I read the one that yeah. you posted, yep. Tim, the first link there, right? Uh, 5,000 developers talk about their salaries. And so, um, and these numbers are overall considerably lower than what Jaime's link is. Um, but it does much more than just talk numbers, uh, dollars rather. It's talking about um, age and uh, gender uh, in terms of how people get paid as well. One thing I like to see about this one was that um, there are significantly older people, like, you know, people your age or my age or Mark's age or Jaime's age, whatever, um, <laughs> uh, are in here and uh, not being discriminated against by age, importantly. Uh, something that I th- that I think a lot of us have felt was possible, at least, uh, does not appear to be the case. Hooray. There's also no geography information in there either. Or, yeah, that's true. Or uh, type of, co- well, maybe there was something about type of company, size There of are company. industries. There's industry. Yeah, well, and this is just so just folks driving their cars can find out. This is an O'Reilly survey that we're talking about. Not the O'Reilly survey, but the O'Reilly survey of salaries. Um, and I assume this is amongst developers, yes? Yeah, it's all developers. Uh, That's the whole point of this. 5,000 developers. So this, um, yeah. so this is this is not just iOS, and, and it could all be Android. could be Angular dudes, Node.js, yeah. C-sharp dudes, you know, and ladies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Dudettes. Yeah. <laughs> Dudettes. Yeah, it's got some uh, funny takeaways that I'm not sure that I 100% agree with the analysis. It, like, developers who shun <laughs> meetings pay a price. It says, <laughs> like it or not, developers who spend more time in meetings and less time coding tend to make more money. Guess who spends more time in, in meetings? Uh, Managers. Leads. Yeah. <laughs> right? Your lead exactly. is going to tend to be uh, mm-hmm. uh, older more experienced and probably spending more time in meetings, not because they want yeah, to, but because yeah. they have to. I can testify to that. Testify. Testify. So my takeaway is like, don't, don't, don't go out there trying to create pointless meetings. Uh, nobody likes that. No. My favorite ones are when somebody says, can you call me for a minute? And then it turns, it turns out you're in a meeting for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, not yeah. quite that bad, but yeah, still you get hoodwinked and you're like, Oh, there's other people in this call. Hmm. Yeah, those are my favorite ones. It's like getting blackjacked. But it's interesting, though. I mean, they, they, do, they do have their purpose. You do find out, you know, sort of things that you need to know to do. It may not be totally, you know, about, you know, how to put a view controller in, in a storyboard, but they're sort of high-level talks about what's happening in the app behind the scenes sort of thing, you know, and what the business is thinking about it. So there's reasons for meetings. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, I know. <laughs> they suck, but there's reasons for them. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes down to the amount of code you get to do because of them, it's not fun. So, mind you, I usually work on code while I'm in meetings, like Mark does on the podcast. Yeah. Sometimes, not today. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'm surprised about about this O'Reilly survey is that uh, it shows computer slash hardware is significantly higher than software for developing As in for, industries. Yeah, under industry. Yeah, yeah. and in in my own experience, that's not the, that wasn't the case. Well, this, the, 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 on the industry chart, the, the numbers are... Oh, so, software's 20, 29%, right? What Did I miss your point there, Mark? Uh, if you look under industry... Yeah, it's 5% for computer a, hardware, right? No, no, look at look at the salary median and oh, okay, that IQR. Mm-hmm. 
software has a range that goes from about 70k to maybe 125 130k yeah. whereas computer slash hardware starts at 100k and goes to Past 150 yeah, yeah yeah mm-hmm. and you find that's that's not well it it didn't gel with with my experience mm-hmm. um having having said that i was a lot younger when i was in the the hardware business so you have to factor that in as well but hmm. yeah yeah i don't know the consulting and it i beg to differ with as well <laughs> Oh, too high, too low. Well, I, you know, I suppose if you're if you're like if you were like a open directory kind of guru, that kind of stuff, you could probably draw in big salary. But uh, those days are gone since Apple's got away from servers. But yeah, I think that you know, there's it, it, depending on how you if you're working for a company, perhaps maybe. But if you're out there slogging it on the streets, you know, fixing printers and fixing email addresses, I don't know if it's that high. You have to fix yeah. a lot of email addresses and you know, change toner in a lot of printers. I guess I should qualify my statement when I said talking about the hardware versus software. The hardware numbers are higher than the software mm-hmm, numbers, mm-hmm. and and my experience was that they were opposite. I'm not talking about the actual ranges because the the Apple the actual ranges for both are kind of yeah yeah. But I mean, it, it, again, yeah, it depends it depends on who answered the survey and what what sort of yeah it does yeah. yep yep. I mean, there's more than five thousand developers I would think in in that could have answered this survey, right? So. And I like the fact that Walter White's on the image, so... All right. Yeah. Speaking of which, is everyone caught up on Better Call Saul? I am. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, okay, okay. I binged through, like, first season on, on Netflix, but I'm not uh, caught up. Yeah, it's getting good. Did you watch the last episode, Mark? I did, yeah. What a prick, eh? Yeah. yeah what a yeah. prick. Yep. Well, there goes our rating. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um... Should we button her up, Aaron? Let's do it. All right. So it's that time of this show where we talk about the things that we've selected for the week, our picks of the week, as it were. Um, and uh, who's got a pick? Aaron? Not this week. I think I already explained myself yeah, on that yeah, one, yeah, so we'll just go straight to Jaime. Sure. Let's, let's see what Jaime Jaime has got Jaime. Ooh, a couple, I think. He's got, he's got all I have picks. a couple picks here. Um, the first one is a book, uh, so I've not yet read but i have acquired the other book we talked about um you know my life is unicorn with uh, dan lyons um we spent some time at hubspot uh, i've acquired that so uh, i'll be giving that a read through in the next couple weeks i guess and and give my opinion of it but one that i have read before in a very similar vein is uh, hatching twitter a true story of money power friendship and betrayal by nick bilton and uh, it's it's a couple years old, uh, two years old, so from September of 2014. Um, but it's quite entertaining to to read about, you know, Ev and Biz Stone and Jack Dorsey and and all these other folks, and and sort of see, uh, at least according to this rendition of it, like it, it was uh, it was not always clean and happy fun times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for these folks. And, and, and there's some surprising names you'll see in there that say, oh, wow, like. This person got totally hosed. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it's it, 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 business is rough, and uh, startups and even unicorn startups are, are no different. I right. think. And, and Nick Bilton, who is he related to Twitter? Is just an author, or did he work there? The, the name is familiar as an author. Um, I have to see his page here. A New York Times technology oh, okay. uh, writer, right? That's probably where you've you've seen the name. I know I kind of recognized it, but couldn't couldn't place it. But you read the book. Yes, I have read the book. It's 
uh, it's in paperback here says 320 pages, but it's a it's a relatively light, quick read. You can, you know, if you're like me and you're flying from Seattle to San Francisco, you can probably finish it in that amount of time. Hmm. Interesting. I, I bet you haven't done a book report since high school. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, book <laughs> reports. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably high school, yeah. Well, that was a pretty good one. What else you got for us? The other one is uh, more on the lighter side. It's a Tumblr um, blog, and it's uh, Classic Programmer Paintings, mm-hmm. where they take... Tim, you probably will love these. You right. probably yeah, recognize I, I a lot saw of these. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's a couple of them, like, uh, you know, three junior developers supporting legacy servlets-based service with senior DVA on the back. And it's like three, uh, I don't know if they're like Russian yeah. kids or something, you know, uh, quite destitute kids hauling yeah. this barrel of stuff with their dog. Yeah. Um, uh, here's the the other one that, that caught my attention. Programmer finds 1,395 conflicts after Git merge develop master three days before deadline. And it's a, a painting by uh, Gustav Courbet. Uh, I didn't recognize this, but it's, a, it's just a person shocked looking straight at the viewer almost ripping their hair out in in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in drama some terrible, of these are hit and miss but some of these are pretty good uh i like the I like the code review the first code review one. Oh yes <laughs> like a little kid in front of a judge yeah or how about developer explaining seo to marketing and i believe this is socrates being given the uh, hemlock tea <laughs> to kill yeah, him that's a socrates yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, some of these are... Uh, I, I would say it's probably not safe for work. Some of these historical paintings are, um, you know, Renaissance paintings where uh, nudity can abound and, and violence as well, so I would not... Mm-hmm. That's classic art. It's safe for work. Come on. Uh, it, it depends on where you work. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yes, many of these are on the required uh, studying study list of... Uh, actually, pretty much all of them are, um, if you're studying fine art. Or coding, I guess. Yeah, I saw this, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago when, I f- when it first sort of appeared on the Twitters. Interesting. Yes, okay. <laughs> one last one. Sysadmin grants pseudo-privileges to developer on production web server. And this is a painting uh, that I believe is like, I don't know, it could be Jesus. I'm not familiar with this painting. It's like Jesus getting anointed or perhaps uh, baptized by somebody. Hang on one second, <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. Oh, yes, that's... Um... The Renaissance paint, painting by Verrocchio. And this is one of the paintings that they think Leonardo did part of the painting on, because he studied under him. But this is uh, John the Baptist baptizing uh, Jesus. And the Holy Ghost is a dove just above watching the whole thing happen. Yeah, it cre- actually it's credited uh, uh, Andre Verrocchio and Leonardo da, Leonardo da Vinci. I was Sorry. enamored with some of these paintings. I put one on. I didn't uh, mean to go all art history. It's a semi <laughs> semi fu to the uh, Vim discussions we've been having the past couple episodes. This one is a painting called Goya. Uh, Emacs versus Vim is the title, and it's uh, two individuals uh, dueling or perhaps just bashing each other with sticks. It's the intersection between liberal arts and technology. Indeed. All right, Mark. Do you have anything? Anyway, so I don't have a pick, but I do have a correction. I've been digging around a little bit while you guys were looking at free pictures, uh, and uh, <laughs> and it it turns out those level one listings are entry level, as wow. far as I can tell. So, you know, good, good for the new hires; wow. they're doing well these days. Hmm. Yep, or for hmm. the entry level, I mean. 
Um, I have a pick, but I can't really talk about it yet, so I might have to wait till next week. But for this one, but um, I did. Uh, hmm. Did you guys have you guys have a chance to look at this video on on Oop is bad, right? I did look at that. What yeah. do you think? So okay, so well, let me let me introduce this as my pick. So I saw I watched this video. Um, it's by I forgot his name now. Um, uh, Brian Will. Uh, Brian Will. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wrote a couple of posts on on how he got burned by. Uh, object-oriented program object-oriented programming he talks about it's mostly about uh using procedural programming in i guess any kind of work um but it's a 40 minute long video and he goes through all the sort of reasons why uh inheritance that we we're all kind of working with has some shortcomings and how um he believes procedural programming is is a, a i don't know better or worse way way to go um, I did see some counter uh, posts on this um, when I first saw it. I think I saw this on Twitter initially, and some people had sort of said, "Well, you know, if if uh, object oriented was so bad, why is procedural not upfront where it, where it should be?" Um, but what did you, Mark? You saw it. You said you watched it. Yeah, what did well, you think of it? I didn't watch the whole thing, but I yeah. watched a, a, enough of it to get the flavor of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit skeptical about the things he says. Yes, he's he's pointing out some fairly valid warts in object-oriented programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, he goes on a lot about how encapsulation is really not possible ever. Because mm-hmm. if if you could really encapsulate, you don't have enough ability to do what you need to do. So eventually you start cheating a little bit. And then, you know, whether you try to follow the rules strictly or not, you still get yourself into trouble. And it's basically impossible, is his claim. And I, I don't know if that if that's so true, but but uh, but he he does make some valid arguments. Uh, I'll, I'll grant that. Uh, one thing that I kind of wasn't really so enthused about was his his main reason that he gave for why uh, object oriented program programming has caught on and and why it still dominates the industry is that uh, it's because of Java. He says. And he says, in the 90s, your options were do Microsoft stuff uh, or don't. And the only other option other than the Microsoft stuff was Java, and Java was object-oriented. Therefore, object-oriented took over the industry. And and I think that's that's a real stretch. I mean, I remember talking about object-oriented stuff back in the 80s when I was in school. I'm, I'm that old. Uh, and this was before Java existed, long before Java existed. This is before C++ even existed. Uh, my my C programming class, we did some sort of basic object-oriented stuff, making our own class layer. You know, I mean, real, right, real, real yeah. basic back then. You know, but and and this was all because of at the time it was all because of the X window system, which was which was really just just coming on and kind of new. Uh, right. and and uh, really lent itself well to that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, yeah, he makes some valid points. I, I, I do think it's a little bit strong. His claims are a little bit strong. So I, I wouldn't go so far to say OOP is bad. Uh, for sure I wouldn't say it was bad. Uh, but it's not obviously it's not perfect. I, I can't imagine doing the stuff we do using procedural approaches, mm-hmm. though. I can't even imagine it. He does make the point that he thinks that uh, functional programming is the best way and is the future, but the but for performance and whatnot reasons, it's not here yet. So, okay, you know, we can all probably agree with that. So, Aaron, a question for you: um, Did you put the agile bits thing up there? No, I did not. Oh, you did not. Oh, I see. I guess Jaime hmm. did that. 
That was not me. I assumed that was you, Tim. Maybe Greg sneaked in and... Mmm, sneaky Greg. He is tricksy. Yeah, Greg has uh, decided not to be here to answer our interrogative questions about Facebook's F8 developer mm. tools information. Oh, I thought you were going to say about the Facebook salaries as listed in the in the uh, the chart. Yeah, too bad. Like maybe next time <laughs> we you know we see him in prison, but Greg. So right here on this chart, if you could just point to more or less where you're yeah, at, tell us uh, what uh, your level much is. Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang on one second. Are you messaging him now? Mm-hmm. He's not going to answer now. Yo, Greg, how much money do you make? Okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> See if I can get him on the horn here. Just for fun. Because we can. We have the technology. Let's use it. It's not like we planned this or anything. Hello? How's it going? <laughs> oh, my God. It's special guest host, Greg Yo. Hello, Hello, Carol. How are you? This... Is amazing. <laughs> She's quiet today. Oh, again. she usually is. Okay, Greg, give us the the lowdown, man. How's it going down there? How's it going down here? It's uh By the way, we are recording still. In that case, it's going just fine. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Mark, why do you have to open your loud yeah. mouth? Uh, thanks, Mark. <laughs> See? Mark's got my back. Yeah. Yep. So have you been over to Calibri yet on um, up by Union Square? Uh, no, no, I haven't been up in the city in a while. I've just been up for maybe a couple of days in the last couple of weeks, so not very often. Yeah, well, Calibri is my, well, I guess it's one of the few Mexican places I know in San Francisco, but they have an amazing, um, what do you call it, a tree of um, tequilas you can try, which are oh, awesome. I always thought Calibri was like a font or something. Well, it's also a, a there's actually, I think there's a Calibri restaurant here in Toronto as well, down on King Street, but but yeah, it's a really nice uh, Mexican Sort of high-end uh, restaurant. High-end? I can't afford that kind of thing. Oh, he is answering the questions about <laughs> <laughs> So I did want to ask you, so uh, Jaime had a question about the F8 tools that just rolled out. Do you know anything about those? Uh, only what I've read on the public blog posts, of course. There you go. Good answer. I asked if Greg actually was a tequila drinker. Oh. Uh, not so much, no. But I guess I'll have to learn. No, okay, okay. You know what? Down there, they have some really good stuff, so... I'm not a tequila drink either, and, I, and, and when I, I've been down a few times and had some really nice stuff. So it's like sipping wine, you know. <laughs> it is the high end tequilas are. Uh, it's I, I liken it more to brandy. You know, drinking brandy. You know, nice, yeah, like a nice exactly. cognac. Yeah. Yeah, not like that stuff we get in high school. <laughs> no. Yeah, we're not going to get any useful information out of Greg. He's he's too. That's it. I didn't even get to do a pick or anything. What the hell? Well, do you have a pick, yeah. Greg? Was was your pick the curing our slack addiction post? Was that I did you add that? that I think, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Then we uh-huh. talk about that. Oh, do you want to give us no, the TLDR on that? We were wondering who put put it there. And that's why we we thought it was maybe you snuck it I in. Did, there, I did. I so. did sneak it in. I just saw it, and it was just kind of interesting. I know a lot of us use Slack kind of data. I know Aaron's mentioned that Aaron you use it like every day for your team, right? And uh, I don't know, there's just a lot of Slack love out there. So it's interesting to see somebody kind of buck the trend and say, it was funny because the blog post is, it's from Agile Bits. And they're like, Slack is almost too good. Like they're relying on it too much. And it was sort of, um, one problem I've run into as well is that because I don't know who pays for Slack, but the teams I'm on don't pay for Slack. And then your messages fall off the end when you hit the, whatever it is, 10,000 message limit. 
and then you kind of lose the context, and then it's like you have so many channels. I think they were saying in their post they had something like fifty, sixty, seventy channels or something, and every time it was like this is too many channels, or I'm getting too many notifications. The solution was let's make another channel with just not all <laughs> ten of us, but just five of us, and then we can talk there without bothering the other five. But then you run into this kind of bad segmentation where it's like those five people make all the decisions without consulting the other five or the other 10 or whoever. And then it gets to that point where it's like, oh, we already decided that. When did you decide that? Oh, I don't know. It's, uh, it was in this channel. It's like, oh, we've already lost all the history, so we don't know. And um, so, yeah, they were saying how it was too good of a product. So it was an interesting read anyway. Yeah. But of course, they're moving to Basecamp is the solution. So I guess you get oh, no way. a little more persistence, and it's documents, and it's a little more structured than just a just a chat, I guess. And so they're hoping that that'll help them out. So I sure hope they follow up and let us know how it's going. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm trying to use I use Basecamp for um, projects in the past, but before Slack came along. But uh, I have to say, I'm a big fan of Slack because we you know we use it with the with the Wendy's right. Um, but we don't use it at at the bank. We use HipChat, right? Hmm. So, which is uh, it's kind of it's not really the same kind of thing experience as Slack. Yeah, it's not it's, as good. It's, it's it's rust. But it's got the same problem, right? the The issue that they were trying to overcome at uh, AgileBits was the fact that, and this is not just AgileBits. There has been a lot of negativity around Slack in the last few weeks. So there's this mounting sense that it's absorbing all of our time, right? That you you tend to find yourself actually effectively in an all-day meeting every day and and so when it gets out of hand right yeah and there's a FOMO Um, part of it too the fear of missing out right if you're not yeah yeah of course and you know i you just cannot let any one of these channels go unread that's that's kind of my problem and my only saving grace is the fact that i'm at least three hours ahead of everyone in every working day they're all in los angeles and so um and they don't come in until like 10, 11 o'clock their time. So, like, I get a lot of work done without Slack to interrupt me. But once that time hits, boy, there is a lot going on in there, and my productivity drops off. I get this. I understand why they're doing this. And I have a feeling that um, Basecamp would be a great solution Mm. for them, too, because it's not the sort of thing that demands constant synchronous communications. I only used Basecamp once or maybe twice. Same client. It was a long time. It was six, seven years ago, maybe. But I remember really liking it course back then they we didn't have these yeah, cool really tools slick. like slack back then but i remember it being very organized and it's like i know where to find everything and it just made a lot of sense and i hear that since then they've i think they rolled out was like Basecamp 2.0 or something and everyone got all angry and they kept Basecamp classic i'm remembering that right right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 imagine like with Basecamp. yeah, yeah. And, and the feature parity right. wasn't there, which was yeah. One of the but it was issues. like they simplified, kind of like Apple did with the iMovies and like Final Cut, right? They kind of simplified it and said, "This is how we would have designed it if well, if we were doing it today. This is how we would do it." But you guys are just used to all those classic, quote unquote, classic features. But um, anyway, I've heard a lot of good things about the new base camp, or maybe it's not so new anymore. But the new base camp, and uh, I always want to give it a try again, but don't have the opportunity, unfortunately. Well, it's a different thing altogether mm. than Slack is. Slack is is just chat, right? It has document yeah. storage, obviously, yeah. and you can upload things to it and, and pin them and keep them. But it's essentially a real-time chat that kind of loses its history. Like, even if you're in a paid account, as as we are at Disney, the, um, it's still really kind of difficult mm. to kind of go back in time to find information. You know, it's... You can't it's, do a search, for instance? It's not... 
Of course you can, but it's it's not easy to do. I I don't know. Like I've I've never been comfortable doing it. Like I had an, a, a chat with somebody on uh, one of the slacks, and he was like a server admin, and or not a server admin. He was like building the, the server APIs, say for the authentication system. And I was just going back and forth with him, like asking questions. And he's like, "Listen, man, you want to instead of asking me questions, go into the history and search and get those answers because I'm sick of having to explain yeah. this over and over yeah. again." And so I'm like, okay, sorry about that, but uh, <laughs> let me try that. And so I, I searched, and uh, it was hmm. enormously difficult. Um, you know, like from a UI perspective, you, you search, and then your, your pane splits in half and becomes like two very narrow little slivers. One is your chat, and the other is search results. And you kind of get this like um, little snippets of the conversation that contain your search term. Um, with very little context around it. So you can't really tell if it's uh, yeah, relevant yeah. to you or not. So ultimately, you just have a super hard time finding anything that makes sense to you. Yeah, ultimately, I don't like it as much. And, um, you know, good for your real-time chat, obviously. And it's it's great for remote workers, I think, because people like me having that uh, real-time uh, personal connection with your coworkers. Um, and I'm thinking socially here, not not tactical business stuff, you know. It's fine for that too, but it's really good for um, enabling, you know, real social relationships between remote workers. Yeah, well, totally. That this is uh, one of the things that the cement that glues the Ray Wendell group together is that you know we we're like 150 developers now, I think, around the world, and so we you know we have chats with people we never actually even see, you know, so. Unless we go to meet up at uh, conferences and things yeah. like that, right? Speaking of which, uh, Greg, we, at the beginning of the show, we talked about WWC. Are you uh, going to be able to go or put your name I in the hat? I put my name or? in the hat, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Right. And would you go to AltConf if you didn't get into... Because you went last I year, right? I did go to AltConf last year, yeah, because I didn't have a ticket. Um, I sure hope mm-hmm. so. I had a lot of fun, so uh, I'd like to. <laughs> All right. So that's it, guys. What do you think? Yeah, I got to go. All right, Aaron's got to go. Aaron's got to go. All right, so Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where go would to the look? Twitter machine at Aaron Bay. <laughs> Alrighty, and uh, Greg, if people want to find you on the, they interweb- should also go on Twitter or on Facebook. I am Greg Hugh on both places. Cool, and uh, Jaime, also on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. Cool, uh, and Mark. Best way is email markartsmapsoft.com. All right, my name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and you can get me on Twitter as T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Good night. Bye. 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 You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. Is Jaime here?
Yeah, honey. No, 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 not hi, hi, me is not here. <laughs> hi, me is not on the show. Is that what I said? Yeah. Sorry. And and, no and we should all have a little hi, <laughs> me lesson. That's you know, it, exactly. What did you just say? Hi, me lesson. Hi, me lesson. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. pretty good. Uh, let's uh, let's just go around. Hi, <laughs> me. Well, while, while Mark's getting his uh, his recording set up, uh, are there really people who say bagel instead of bagel? Yeah. So that no. was going on between that's nonsense. Tim and uh, Tammy, and, Tammy and I yeah. on Twitter earlier so in the Tam- week, and I, yeah. I was shocked. But I, I'd made the comment that like Bag L is like Cal L, Superman's cousin or something. I think it's a New York, New Jersey thing, right? No, it's it, definitely not. That was awesome, no? by the way, Jaime. 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 Okay. Jaime. 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 I'm working on this. Aaron, you had Yo. it nailed. <laughs> Get quit while you're at. It just feels weird. I'll just I'll just loop it in every time. I'll just take it. I'll just cut the snip and loop it in. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> bagels is not even close to being right. <laughs> no, but I've heard people say bagel or or, or in that sense, like or, or refer to it that way. And that, Tammy made Tammy made a comment about the fact she was in a restaurant and they had bagels and and. And I forgot what, what she was saying about it, but I just sort of said, "Was it? did they say bagel or bagel, right? And then she sort of said, in her family, believe it or not, they actually have debates about how it's pronounced. So she just gets to the point where she she just points, I'll have one of those. Wow. Yeah. So she's from the Is South, right? <laughs> Is she originally from the South? No, she's from New Jersey. She is? Well, no, actually, sorry, I'm sorry. She's, a, she's an army brat. She's been around. Oh. Yeah, she's moved around. I, I can't but, but believe her, anyone from New Jersey would call it a bagel. No way. Well, we'll hear from our listeners, clearly. Yeah. All right, kids. Ah. Really nice to hear your voice, Greg. Oh, and That's, scene. It's awfully late for you guys, isn't it? Or for you, Aaron. Yes, it is. Yeah, we've been yapping a lot. Are you going to have a uh, place to live in the city by WWDC? Yes, I will. I will be there uh, next week. Oh, congratulations. Cool. Yeah, so, thank you. So thank you. you have any couches? <laughs> uh, be, we were talking about the high prices and like well we could such an we expensive couch <laughs> such an expensive couch for anybody who wants to sleep on it yeah yeah are you subletting the couch that you have somebody takes the left side somebody takes the right side oh divide it up that's not about it. maybe the floor too and actually one of the places i looked at was like a loft like it was like kind of two it was small but it was like two floors and i was like oh you could fit like five people or something you know? wow wow um but yeah and if you ever get down, if you can ever make it down to Palo Alto, there's a place called Reposada that has a really, really good tequila selection. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the tequila. Well, We're doing an offsite lunch. We're doing an offsite lunch in Palo Alto tomorrow, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for the place. We've already got the place picked out, but I'll keep an eye out. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds oh, so Don Felipe, El, Telsor, Tesor, El Tesoro, which is mm-hmm. something the gold, right? Don Felipe tequila. Last time I was at that Calibre, they served me that stuff, and it's amazing. So nice, nice. You, I, I sounds familiar, Tim. Did you? Maybe we were asking you for places to go last year, and you suggested it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, sounds, it's, I just Google them. Like I've, I've heard of this place somehow. Yeah, it's just it's around the corner. I usually stay at the Chancellor on. Uh, is that uh, Powell? Right. Mm, okay. And um, yeah, and. Um, if I can, I try to stay because across the street from the Saint for Sir Francis Drake Hotel, um, and yeah, it's just down around the corner from there, sort of thing. Right? Oh, that one's right off Union Square, right? Yeah, just just uh, I don't know. Yeah. I going to say I want to say west of of yeah, Union Square. yeah, 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 in the northwest corner, kind of of Union Square, right? 
Yeah, well, the the the, the hotel is yeah, but but the I don't forget the name of the street that runs uh, sort of parallel to um, Union Square, away going to the west. It's whatever the name of that road is. Uh, might be Geary. Stockton, it says Geary. 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 Oh, sorry, yeah. east west. You said right. Yeah, Geary. Sounds like yeah. Geary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great place. I mean, awesome burritos. You know, it's 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 a sit down meal kind of place, right? Not like Chipotle's or whatever. <laughs> but Chipotle's is good too. If two o'clock in the morning, right? Sure. So I didn't hear the update. Who else is who else put their name in the WWDC hat? Uh, I did. I did as well. Yeah. And I got my first U.S. credit card, or second technically, but first U- real U.S. credit card. So yeah. I have somewhere to charge it to. Yeah. What was that thing you were talking? Oh, so now you have you have an Apple ID that's U.S. now. I had to switch it. I switched mine over. They but, let you do uh, that. Well, I had an iTunes Match subscription, and oh. it said you cannot change your country while you have iTunes Match. And I was like, well, cancel it. And they're like, oh, you have to sell. So I had to send a support request, and then oh, okay. they had to email back and forth. And I'm like, just cancel it. They're like, oh, you still have two months. Like, I don't care. Just cancel it. And then they gave me, I think they gave me a credit for the whole year. So that wow. was kind of nice. Hmm. They're like, oh, we gave you the $99 credit. Or I forgot how much it was. Is it like $20 or something? iTunes Match? Yeah, I'm not sure. Is it like $30? Anyway, they were like, oh, we just credited the whole amount. So I was like, all right. And then I could switch my country to here. And so, yeah. Well, because when we all got iPads back in 2010, you know, we had to run out to Buffalo and get them because they weren't available here for at least six months. Mm. So many of us, I've heard, I can't say for sure, but many of us opened up American uh, Apple ID accounts to, so we could put apps on them. And then we were given a stern warning about a year later saying, you better shut those accounts down. And we couldn't transfer the purchases we made from on the U.S. accounts to our Canadian accounts. So, Greg, are you enjoying uh, Apple Pay here in the States? I haven't actually. You know, I, I did have an Amex in Canada, so I did use Apple Pay once in a while. But I'm not using it very much, though. I have to. I don't. No, I don't think I've even used it. I have noticed, I forget where, but somewhere they were like, we accept Apple Pay. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. But mm-hmm. I, um, I didn't use it. Uh, do a lot of places accept it? Yeah, a lot of places do. Okay. Well, yeah, it's certainly, certainly in the Bay Area for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't say a lot, but enough places to, okay. that, you can, that you can use it. Yeah. Okay. Man, I screwed oh. up, Tim. I screwed up. So. Did you? Yeah. You know, we, uh, we're going to make, I was going to make Draftly a pick for this evening. Oh. We talked yeah, about it on Brian? Twitter. From Brian? Brian, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I was. What happened? I never got the chance to use it. <laughs> oh, okay. So I kept saying to myself, yep, don't forget to load up Draftly on the Apple TV so that you can try it out and make, a, make your pick. And, yeah. you know, I just kept saying that and saying that. And then this evening, like, it was, I don't know, about 10 minutes ago, I was like, dough. <laughs> so... Yeah, I feel bad. Um, maybe next week. Hmm. Except it won't yeah, be I, I mean, look, I, I, I don't even, I don't even have an opinion on it because I don't know what dribbler is. You don't know what dribble is? No, dribble, dribble. Is it dribble? It's dribble. Well, you say dribble, okay. but it's three Bs, not two. Oh, so Web two point oh e. You don't know the site though. No, I, I think okay. I may have heard of it, but I've never actually gone and explored it. Right, so explored it. Well, it's for designers, so designers go on there. Well, I are a designer, but you I, are. You know, Supposedly, yeah, and supposedly, sometimes these guys they create and girls. I'm sure I haven't seen any mm-hmm. of them though. Oh, mm. they got one. <laughs> um, they they go on and they uh, they post their stuff, and it's it's always a little uh, tiny little thumbnail picture that shows up on oh, the post. Oh, really? Okay. And then yeah. uh, it's kind of a sports metaphor on the site, such that you can, as a designer, go in there and look at this 
post that someone makes, a designer, and then you can do what's called a rebound and build something on top of or in response to something that a designer puts up there. Oh, I see. But okay. if you're a designer, like a UI designer or something like that, you would, yeah, yeah. You would create elements that were you know picture perfect down to the pixel that look so sweet. And yeah. you post this little thing and you say, hey, guys, this is what I'm working on right now. Yeah, and, yeah. and then everybody else goes, whoa, this is so rad, dude, dude. And, yeah, and the other guy yeah. goes, dude. And, it, and the other guy goes, dude. Like that? Right. So that's how it works. Hmm. But that's the most I can tell you because I know what the so, app is about. I just, you know, have not actually used the thing mm-hmm. because I'm a very bad fellow taco member <laughs> and I feel bad and I should feel bad. So I'm sorry, Brian. Next week. Next week, man. Next We'll catch you up, man. You'll, you'll be in the after show this week, but you know, we'll catch you up next week. Fine. Yeah. So I would know it's, it's, so I guess it's, it's sort of that, the, I don't know if you know the improv metaphor, no. Uh, well, so like when you're doing stage theater improv, right? Somebody comes up with a with a with a, a subject or whatever, and then you send it over to someone else to sort of build on it, right? Okay. And the rule of improv is you never say no. Yeah, you just gotta roll with it no matter what. Yeah, yeah, no matter what. You know, turkeys splayed across the highway. You know, while people are on ice skates. You know, and you just go with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar with that part at least. Yeah, so I, I guess that's sort of the that is that that's the sort of metaphor or that's sort of the the, the style of of dribble. No, you, you sort of you, you do no. something and somebody else riffs on it. No, or? no, no, no. It's not the, the point of dribble is not to riff. Um, it's, oh, okay. The point of dribble is to sort of have a portfolio. It's a kind of portfolio. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but it does provide this sort of social network type thing. Yeah. Where you can respond to it with your own post. So in, so in that way, of, it's, it's more it's like, kind of like a like a way of breaking sort of a writer's block, block or an artist's block. If you're stuck for ideas or whatever, you go browse dribble, and you can sort of bounce off each other and, and be inspired by each other. I guess is the way I, to put I it. I think right? that's a way. Yeah, mm, I say all this with with no expertise claimed in what dribble is. Right. Um, yeah, my good friend Adam is a designer and he's a frequent contributor mm-hmm. and reader of dribble, and so oh, okay, um, I do end up seeing a lot of things that are on the site and there's a lot of cool stuff there you know people post you know mac um ui experiments and mm-hmm, proposals mm-hmm. things like that that uh you know so you end up looking at dribble sometimes and yeah yeah <clears throat> that was awesome watching the yeah. baseball game okay oh no that's bad yeah. i'm just adding people to the uh, chat here he didn't sports hard enough yeah damn it yeah. 